Ready to revolutionize your higher ed marketing game? Yes! Well, then don't miss out on Element 451's Engage Summit, June 27 and 28. Explore the cutting-edge world of education and AI technology and unleash your creativity like never before. Register today at engage.element451.com and use promo code EDUP50 for $50 off. The Global Gathering for Educators and Institutions is here. Anthology Together is where inspiration, connection, networking, and ed tech insight and innovation intersect into the premier event destination for the global education community. Registration is open. Go to anthologytogether.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to ed up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. This is Elvin Freitas coming back with you again. Uh, as you all know, I'm usually behind the scenes, but sometimes I come out and I'm in front. And when I do, it's because we got some really cool, interesting people that I want to speak with. So uh, first, before we get into that, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has purchased the book, uh, Commencement, the beginning of new era in higher education. It has sold thousands. We've had people buy bulk orders and we're super excited about that. So if you want to learn more, go to edupexperience.com and look for Commencement, the book. It's right there. Also, by the time this comes out, we're going to be going to a whole bunch of different places doing podcasts. I'm actually going to Colombia, which I'm very excited about to do some podcasting there. And then uh, we'll end up going to go to Orlando and then Nashville, and then maybe even Qatar, Doha, Qatar, end of this year. So it's been uh, an amazing year so far. Thank you all so much for the support. All right, enough about that. Let's get into our episode. So very excited to bring my uh, guest co-host, who has been on quite a few times now, and, and I think she's one of the first guest co-hosts way back when. So you know her, and I'm sure uh, you look forward to having her back. She is the one, the only Lisa Hanukkah, Senior Director of Account Management at High Spot. Lisa, how you doing? I am great, Alvin. It is so awesome to finally meet you and be doing <laughs> this with you. Obviously, you, we, you had mentioned you were behind the scenes for all this time, but the interactions that we've had over the years, you are an old friend and you missed one city on your stop. I think you and Joe are due to land in Raleigh. Raleigh. Yes. yes. Oh my yeah. God. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. That's right. Towards the end of June. So uh, we get to have a star sighting with all of us together. <laughs> ah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. You've been on point so far. Uh, I got to admit, you're, you're like a pro now. It's great. And I'm so rusty. So I appreciate you being here. So, all right, let's get into our amazing guests and hopefully I get her name. You know, wh whoever's listening knows that I'm really bad at names. So I'm going to try my best and feel free to correct me. So our guest today is Stacy Haller or Haler. I think it's Haler, <laughs> uh, Chief Career Advisor at ResumeBuilder.com. Stacy, did I get it right? Well, you've got it very close, Stacy Haller, but I really appreciate it, Elvin, and I'm <laughs> just happy to be here with you folks. Thank you, Stacey. I appreciate that. So thanks for coming on. Um, I've been looking forward to this one because I have so many questions. But first, we always start with, you know, what do you do and how do you do it? So uh, thank you again for having me here. I am the Chief Career Advisor with ResumeBuilder.com. And that is a site where we do provide a pretty deep and wide variety 
of templates, of resumes, a lot of information to share with our audience when you're embarking on a job hunt. Um, and we created a site that's a good place to go when you're first starting out and looking in your job search. So I get to also interface with our team as we're putting surveys out to the field. So we like to keep our pulse on top of what's happening in the job market as well. So I'm happy to share some information with you regarding higher education. Yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that, uh, Stacey, because that was my follow-up question. I was looking at the website, and I know you have tons of information on higher education. So uh, if you could definitely share that with our listeners, because as you know, most of them are in or around higher education. So we love to know what's going on. What's going on with higher education? Well, in the higher education field, we know, you know, approaching when you're in that field, approaching jobs is a different kind of job search because you have different kinds of credentials and backgrounds and experience. And that's why on our site, we have a variety of templates that are really geared to your occupation and your field because there are nuances there. But in general, the information on how you should start a job search is really similar across the boards too. There is a lot um, of work we do with also college grads entering the workforce. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of talk in the media today about preparation of these the folks who are graduating higher education and what they're equipped with to enter the workforce. So we can approach this in a couple of different ways, Elvin. Yeah, I know that you have some information about Gen Z. Is that correct? That you had a report out? Is that something you can talk about, Stacey? Yes, it, we had a very interesting survey recently and a little surprised at that um, response from a thousand hiring managers that they were really struggling. Three out of four of them said, they were not happy working with the Gen Zs. And there was a lot of turnover there. And it really is a unique situation. You know, typically an entry-level job is entry level. But in the last few years, this generation really did not come into the workforce with the same kind of foundation that other generations have in terms of not working remote, actually being in an office and interfacing with people and having an opportunity to build their soft skills, which I really prefer calling professional skills. Mm. And so the generation came in a little less prepared than most and hiring managers and corporations we're not at all prepared to deal with that. Wow. So um, before I pass it on to, to Lisa, I just want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So uh, what were some of the huge takeaways from that survey that you think would be very interesting to our higher education audience? The takeaways are that, well, there's two sides of the equation. On the hiring education side, I think we do need to focus on preparing these students for work. I, you know, I have a master's degree in uh, career counseling, and I had an opportunity to do career counseling at a university or go into a private practice. I ended up going to into a private practice at that time. And I realized that so many folks who work in college career centers at college often lack some of that real world outside experience. And a lot of what I see tends to be behind the times when you're in the workplace and it's changing very rapidly. And there are things that can help college students now. Those students who are graduating who jump on, let's say, chat GPT and get an expertise in that area should absolutely have that on their resumes. And that's going to put them ahead of some other people going into the job market. So I think 
the educa higher education does need to focus on real world experience, partnering with um, organizations in their communities. Many colleges have been very forward thinking and partnering and moving along uh, to help their students get that type of experience. But what I find in my practice is there are many institutions who are not doing what they could or should be doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I like the uh, chat GBT idea. I think um, people are just testing it and playing around with it, but putting it on the resume could be a separator um, for some folks that, because I did a, a LinkedIn poll myself and and there were a lot of people that uh, are not actually even playing around with it and using it. So I thought that was interesting. So putting that and saying, hey, I have knowledge and especially how to ask questions and, and be a prompter, right? That's a whole right. nother uh, engineer, prompt engineer, right? It's a whole nother job. Oh, that yes. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, th there will be jobs created by this. It also behooves the higher educational institutions as well as this cohort of uh, graduates coming in to keep an eye on how the world is changing and what occupations to pursue, right? Everybody's talking about what AI might replace, but then again, what AI might generate in terms of new job opportunities for people. You know, clearly we're seeing a shakeout in some areas where there may have an impact. So I think it's helpful for graduates to understand the current marketplace and get prepared walking in. And since Gen Z has gotten this reputation that they're not as prepared, mm. the institution should work with them about how do you get mentors? What's expected when you first enter a job? You know, one of the things we've heard in our survey is how to collaborate, how to take constructive criticism. This wow. cohort group does not know how to function in that environment. And I hear from hiring managers, they're frustrated too. Like how come these young ones just don't understand this? And wow. so we're seeing that that's doing a little churn and burn and Gen Z is getting frustrated because they wanna be successful. They just don't have all the right skills. So I think once that's acknowledged by everyone, that'll pass. I think we all remember how nobody wanted to hire a millennial because they were entitled. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. 10 years later, everybody wants to hire them. Well, they have 10 years experience. Maybe that's why. <laughs> that's a really good point. Uh, speaking of a collaboration, I know how to be a good collaborator and bring in my guest co-host, Lisa, go for it. Thank you. Okay, I love this conversation and I have been a hiring manager for more probably time than I care to admit, uh, but certainly had the millennial bias. Um, I'm going to own that. Uh, but now working in tech where you have very early in career individuals uh, and and honestly just being immersed in DEINB training, I think that that has really helped me flip my lens to look at what can I learn from them versus what do I expect from them and really try to find a balance in that. But I love everything that you were just talking about there, Stacy. I'd actually like to turn the clock back even further in somebody's age continuum. And there was an article recently, I think actually maybe just two weeks ago, uh, that you all put out about a survey reducing the age that kids are employable. So those child labor restrictions potentially being lowered. Um, I am curious as to what your take is on this, because 
some of the things in that article are absolutely fascinating to me. And I'd love to just hear what you have to say about it. You know, Lisa, I, I would love to chat. Unfortunately, I was that was one survey I was not as involved in. And honestly, I wanted to make sure we had the right all kind of legal info. You know, mm. it touches a lot of different categories, that topic. Um, I, you know, my own personal opinions. I, we hear lots of things in the news even today about how young people and migrants and, you know, what's changing out in that labor force out there. So I would love to dig in deeper with you, but uh, unfortunately I did not get underneath that survey enough, but we could talk about anything specifically there in general. I think what's coming about is the shortage of talent in a lot of positions where people do not typically want to jump for those positions. Mm. We're looking to fill a void somehow. Yeah, no doubt. I think the thing that stood out in that article to me, and certainly I have another question I want to dive into, um, was the work ethic that comes when you do work young. And I know when I was 15, I was waiting tables at Victoria's <laughs> ice cream parlor. And, you know, I think first of all, everybody should be a server. Um, I think there's tremendous value that you learn from that. But I, what I loved about the survey is for sure, there's the aspect of filling those jobs that need roles or need bodies in them for sure. But I just love the slant on the work ethic and employing, building in that grittiness, that um, tenacity at such an early age. And I do think that that would set people up for even better success, regardless of what higher education path they chose to, because of that tenacity, that grit resilience that gets built at that very early age. I could not agree with you more. In fact, with I'm with you, Lisa. I was a checkout at a supermarket all through high school and worked every summer. And yes, dealing with the public at an early age brings a lot of skills that you could sharpen, right? Yes, yes. But I and I do I I agree with you. Now, let's cycle back to what we were just saying earlier. Maybe those Gen Zers who mm -hmm. didn't have that early working experience um are more behind the eight ball. But the Gen Zers who maybe did have that grit and worked through school are not experiencing the same thing now at entry level jobs because they have had the opportunity not only to build a grit, but learn how to work with people, learn how to get feedback, learn how to work with a boss. Exactly, exactly. Okay, if we could then switch to a survey that you were involved in, and this one was mind-blowing to me, but the survey, I think you all did it in the beginning of the year about overemployed co-workers or team members, employers, employees out there. Um, I'd never heard about this until I read it, and then I was like, oh my gosh, did that ever happen to me? Was anybody doing that in my organization? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's interesting to know why that freaks people out too. But I, you know, this is all coming out of the changing workplace and the remote world. And I think it's going to accelerate even more because I'm reading lately with AI, the folks who are really good at AI, now they're doing like three or four jobs in the same amount of time if they're really good at it. So it's, it's interesting 
how it's progressing even more with the advent of AI to the point that people could be at home and working several jobs. And it is really interesting, you know, in the old days, people with before remote work, you know, employees, you, you were okay if you had a weekend on the job as long as it wasn't with a competitor or it didn't affect your work at all, right? But now yeah. people are finding ways that they can make it extra money. Now, most of what we saw in the overemployment, they weren't all full-time jobs. Somebody had a full-time job and then they might have done two part-time jobs. Or sometimes people are looking to start their own business and they're not ready to do it and they're doing it on the side. So there are some sort of variations to all of that. But with the advent of working remote and flex work hours and people really more focused on how are you doing the job? Are you getting it done on time? And are you still being productive? That's what they're going to have to focus and care about. Yeah. Elvin, I'll pass it off to you in, in, right after this. Okay. Just for the benefit of our audience, because again, I, my mind was blown. <laughs> 80% of almost 1,300 respondents said that they had worked two or more remote jobs at the same time. Holy cow, 80%. That is crazy. So but crazy. Just, but just keep in mind, one of those jobs could be selling things on an online website. Oh, got it. Right? I mean, let's keep in mind, when, that's why I wanted to make sure you realize, at least I know it is a little crazy to think about that, right? Because there aren't enough hours in the day. Nobody has that amount of time. How, do you, how does somebody oh. physically do that, right? And still have a life. Oh. So realize it is the change. It's remote. It's what they're actually doing for that job. What, what I saw this past few weeks that made me take more notice is how people are using AI to advance that. So let's say you're a copywriter and you're doing content for other people, you know, as a side gig. Yeah. Well, it maybe used to take you three or four hours to do that job. And now you're using AI and it takes you an hour and a half. Yeah. Crazy. So now, you can, now you can do more work. So this is this is only the beginning to see how this is going to play out. Nuts. Yeah, I know, I know, it is crazy, and uh, it's like the creator economy, you know, that I keep reading about. Everybody wants to uh, create, create, and uh, the side gigs, and everybody wants to be like an entrepreneur on the side, and so that's part of it, and that makes sense to me. And one thing that um, I was thinking about uh, before we got on is that, and this is crazy, Stacy. I'm going to ask you a crazy question, but don't you think that career services departments and higher education institutions will eventually be replaced by AI? Am I crazy? <laughs> I mean, I mean, where does the human come in now? It's just like, okay, well, that, you right know, I'm glad you're asking that because <laughs> we still need humans. All right. But yeah. what I think it may replace, you know, working three days to put somebody's resume together, but AI is not going to work with somebody on how do you interview? How do you interface with people? You know, I think there are more critical skills that those career centers could be working on with students than just writing resumes or how to apply to a job posting. Okay. So just like in an HR department, you know, the person who was writing job descriptions and responding to candidates, that job may go away, but that person mm -hmm. could now focus maybe on interfacing onboarding. Right, Lisa? There's plenty of things that they that you need humans for. It's only going to take away the transactional pieces and maybe do a better job. But I do think 
that these career centers and the universities need to get up to snuff, need to partner with organizations and do a better job really preparing students. And it's not just about writing their resume. Yeah. Don't settle for average marketing strategies. Join us at the Element 451 Engage Summit, June 27 and 28, and discover how to harness the power of AI technology in higher ed marketing, connect with industry leaders, explore cutting edge technologies, and future-proof your marketing strategy. Use promo code EDUP50 for $50 off. Register now at engage.element451.com. Their premier EdTech event is right around the corner. Epic. Anthology Together is the destination for visionaries, educators, and learners ready to unleash the power of education technology. EdUp will be on site for the thought-provoking keynotes, peer-driven discussions, and unparalleled networking opportunities. We guarantee you will leave inspired and connected. You don't want to miss it. Book your tickets to Nashville for AT23, July 17th to July 20th. Register today at anthologytogether.com. Right. And, um, yeah, and, and I do want to uh, touch upon that, actually. Can you kind of talk about who are these organizations that higher ed should be partnering up with? Because we've been doing so many episodes, and the one word we keep hearing over and over and over again in terms of the future of education is partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. But in terms of career uh, development and careers resources, uh, what specific organizations? Is it organizations like your resume builder? Other organizations and what no, are, I, are I mean, I'm, like? we're talking about hiring corporations, companies. Ah, okay. that you know, before we got into the remote work world, there were many colleges and universities who were looking to partner with companies in their own geographical location, right? Yeah, because because the yeah. students are there, right? And they could be, I, I'm sitting in Boston, I know yeah. you all thought I was in New York with my doctor. <laughs> But, you know, up here, there's 28 colleges, right? Mm -hmm. And so to partner with companies and organizations where you can actually, if somebody knows they want to go into a specific field or a specific job, then why not create that before they graduate and prepare them for how to get those positions? And then the companies could have maybe internship programs or there could be programs set up. Now, now that things are remote, that really opens the field even wider. Um, to what companies want to do. You know, organizations like Coursera and other places like that are trying to bridge some of those gaps, right? Yeah. And that's when I think the colleges should also, you know, I, I don't see their mission only just as an education. You go to get an education so you can have a good life and pursue what you want to be doing and contribute to the world and support yourself and your family. And that's just as important, I think, as the education that comes with it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And um, I asked that question because, you know, the, like you said, there are a lot of uh, opportunities for AI to create new jobs, but also, obviously, it will definitely be more efficient and eliminate some jobs. And so when we're talking about, you know, career services and higher education, how can they be more efficient? And obviously, like you said, now they have more time to onboard or specifically work with the students, maybe do um, informational interviews or mock interviews and to talk about eye contact and talk about nonverbal language. You know, I don't I don't really see AI doing that anytime soon. Right. Uh, or how about when somebody really doesn't know what they want to do? 
and they need a coach or a career counselor to really help them kind of take a look at different things and understand how to pursue that, right? Yeah, that's a good point. It's at the beginning where a lot of students are still trying to figure out, I have no idea what I want to do. And I'm sure there's a large majority of them. That's why they change majors so many times, because they're just trying to figure out what they want to do. And I noticed that also talking to a lot of uh, folks on the podcast, that they're trying to put career services, career minded uh, resources up front in terms of their recruiting and their marketing, their messaging, their Mm -hmm. branding and saying, hey, we will find you a job because that's what most uh, uh, students want. That's what uh, most of the parents want. So there's that attachment. But all, all, there's also the piece where we're going to try to make you a better human being, obviously, someone's going to be uh, well-respected in the community and give back and be involved and be a good community member, a good global citizen, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, so have you seen uh, companies pushing, especially in higher education in, from your background, pushing that career services, job readiness more towards the front uh, on your side? And, and, and if so, um, are you a part of that conversation? And then what's your involvement? Yeah, I my, I, I am really not as involved. We don't see it from that aspect. So I really can't give you feedback from that world. You know, we, from our perspective, we're looking at the whole spectrum of the workforce out there and looking at all different things. We haven't dove in as far in that area too, but they're going to have to move in that direction or else they're going to become antiquated. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so uh, I wanted to know, uh, you know, I saw on your website that you uh, use AI as well, right? Use AI. We have, yes, we are starting to incorporate that. Well, LinkedIn's already done that. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to know, um, you know, how are you using it? And what's the user experience like when they go to resumebuilder.com? Um, and what is their... Uh, experience with AI and then when do the real people come in uh, place? I mean, tell, well, tell you know, it's it's that. so interesting you're asking. We I just had a meeting about this last week. So we're first integrating that now. And you know, just the way LinkedIn does, it, there's a mixture of we need to integrate it because that's what everybody is looking for and that's how we know it could accelerate it. But you do need to start off with a basic template and some information. So I actually am going to be jumping in soon to see how it works, but we're getting in there to get that ramped up. I don't know that we're fully functional there from what they told me, but we are incorporating it in there. So what it does is it opens up the feedback to what you're looking for. So as you know, pulls all information across the web, pulls best practices, will pull information very quickly. But regardless of where it is, even if you're using AI for a resume, you still need a human being to review it and to tweak it. And it's still never, it's not like it's gonna generate a product that you don't need any human massaging to. So I can't give you specifics at the moment of how it's used in there, but we will be incorporating it because honestly, if all of the folks who are in the business of doing this don't start to incorporate it, we're going to be left behind. Yeah, I I agree. So as a good human, I'm going to hand it off to my other good human, Lisa. (laughs) Go ahead. Thank you, Alvin. So Stacey, going back, you had talked right there in your opening um, and used a different phrase. So the popular phrase is soft skills. And you talk about it in professional skills, of which I totally agree with you. Um, And then 
obviously your team is offering support services, guidance, and coaching to people that come through your organization on how to highlight critical thinking and how to highlight collaboration skills, both of which are absolutely table stakes in today's workplace. So for the benefit of everybody listening, can you give them two or three ideas and concepts that they could apply today to help illustrate that in their resumes or even in their interviews? That's a great question, Lisa. Yes, and it is important. And I am on my little personal campaign to call them professional skills and not soft skills because the word soft implies that it's not important or as important. And they're tremendously important. And we're even seeing that importance is growing just by virtue of a lot of the conversation we're having today. Mm. So when when uh, graduates are coming out of school and they're looking at their resume, take a look at what you have done throughout your education where these, you've used these skills, but they might not be immediately um, thought of. For instance, if you work um, with, a, with teams on projects, that's collaboration skills, that's teamwork skills. So outside of listing those skills under a skill section, right? Everybody has to list the technical skills, Word, Office, Excel, whatever you have. We're also looking for those professional skills, team building, collaboration, um, honest feedback, things that we all interface with in the environment. So I would have them listed as skills separately, but also incorporated in the bullet points of the activities through college. If you led your athletic team, that shows leadership. Mm. If you've worked on um, it with alumni groups or other groups within the organization or through college, or you did volunteer work, those are places where you can highlight those professional skills by virtue of what you did. So it's kind of a double take, get it in to your experience and then highlight it below that that's an area of your expertise. I love does that. Does that help just, Lisa? Oh, it does. And I, what I love about it is that sometimes when people hear okay, this is what's going to be valued in the workplace, collaboration, being able to take coaching and feedback, mm. critical thinking, oh gosh, now I have to go do one more thing. But what I'm hearing you say is you're actually already doing it. Let us help you package that and tell your story better. Is that fair? Well, yeah. First, I want them to realize they do have those skills. You know, nobody's labeled it for them. And once, you know, a coach, a counselor, when they're embarking on this, they understand that they have some of their skills, then they need to articulate what they did and what effect it did so they could bring it into their conversations or bring it up. Because since hiring managers are thinking they don't have these skills, I think some of them do have the skills, they don't realize it, and they could lean on that experience in the workforce once they get to the job. So it is a matter of them knowing what it is and knowing how to relate that when they're interviewing for a position. I love that. And Elvin, I'm about to turn it back to you, but Stacy, just to, I hate using a saying, but I'm about to double click into that. I know um, very uh, long time ago when I was preparing for a director interview, 
um, a good friend of mine who is an amazing HR professional was helping me prep for that interview. And she said, Lisa, you need to use the SAR method, situation, action, result. And if you do that, then you can complete that full entire story. Is that something that you work with your candidates on as well? Or has that maybe evolved to something better? No, it still holds, you know, it's all about just what you said. What is your story? How do you tell your story in context? That's how you show somebody the value of your experience, right? This was my situation. This is what I was confronted with because many interviewers use behavioral interviewing, which is where they're going to ask somebody, tell me about a time. So they might say, tell me about a time where someone asked you to do something and you didn't know how to do it. What did you do? So somebody who's coming out of college could relate that to getting an assignment that they had from a teacher and they didn't quite understand it. And what did they do? It's a matter of understanding how to make the college experience relatable in the workforce because there it is relatable. And if someone needs a coach or a counselor to help them do that, get that help because that is going to help you get that job. I love that. I love that. And speaking, you know, again, from an interviewer and hiring manager, I do ask those behavioral questions Mm -hmm. and I definitely take them down two or three, four levels because obviously, hopefully they do have a coach, um, whether that's through resume builder or even their mom or dad, um, you know, being able to dig further and to see how that could apply to other situations is super valuable. Um, but it, it, the great news is, again, what I heard you say is that your organization is helping people understand that what they do every day does have value and can translate to the workplace, but they just need to be the ones to illustrate and communicate that. Well, I will tell you, we don't, at Resume Builder, we don't do that kind of coaching or counseling. We're more like an online resource for the basics. Now, I do, you know, you're going to find this interesting, Lisa. I do, in my own private practice, work with a lot of entry-level folks coming out of universities. Why? Because it started years ago when my friend's kids graduated and none of them wanted to listen to their parents. So they sent them all to me. You're laughing because you know this is true, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, by the way, they weren't so happy listening to their parents' friends in the beginning either. But once they got over that and saw my background, and that really was the germination of my own practice. So it is my own personal mission because it's out there. So, you know, sometimes the parents don't understand it either. They forget what it's like when they graduated and started a job search. And it's very different. And quite frankly, most parents now are trying to figure out their own workforce situation, remote and flexible and where their careers are going. Um, But that's the role that I believe that the career counseling office should be playing. Yes. Yes. I, I love all that. And I did chuckle because literally just this morning, I've got a rising senior and he thinks he doesn't need help on his college essay. <laughs> and uh, e- even though his father it went to school for journalism, like he understands how to write and communicate and storytell. So I literally reached out to uh, somebody at his school 
who I thought was, did exactly that, you know, um, college application coaching. And I was like, Hey Sue, uh, rumor has it that blah, blah, blah. And I was like, my son's not going to take our advice. Can we mm -hmm. tap into your husband? She's like, Oh yeah, here you go. Here's his number. Text him. So it, it's exactly what you just said. I, that's why I said, you're going to appreciate that. But you know, I do love helping them. Honestly, I worked with uh, someone who came out of, it was University of Michigan and the, never had a job, got out after um, a uh, master's degree and they put together a five page resume for somebody who never had a job. Mm. Oof. I, okay. And then, you know, the response I, so I was working on, I'm like, this isn't going to work for you. This is never going to work for you. So after he fought that and I eventually convinced him and he was very upset because he had a lot of college loans and he could not believe that that career center would give him a resume that would not work for him. And he was really, and I understood that he's still paying off college loans. And this center gave him a five page resume, which is honestly ridiculous for somebody <laughs> getting out of school. All right. So I redid it with him finally when he came around and he immediately got a great job. Wow. But that's what frustrates me. Mm. They should be doing the opposite. Mm. Right. Yeah. They should be doing exactly, Lisa, what we were just talking about. How do you translate these skills? Show them that they have it. How do they talk to it? Help them figure it out. AI isn't going to be doing that. Mm. Wow, Stacy, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate your time. Um, we want to wrap up and we want to ask you the last two questions uh, that we ask everyone. First is, what did we not ask you today about uh, ResumeBuilder.com? Something that maybe uh, you wanted us to ask, but we didn't, or anything that you got coming up that you want to announce, uh, any events, any programs, anything that you just want to cover right now. Uh, that we need a chance to cover. And then second would be, what do you see as the future of higher education? All right, Alvin. So first, <laughs> <laughs> well, first, the one thing that I just want to say with regard to resumes and things like that, they really are important. You know, the only purpose of a resume is to get you an interview. And it's really important to get it right the first time because unfortunately you don't have do-overs. So if you send a resume and it doesn't bite, you can't like fix it up and resend it. Yeah, so point. it's important to really be set up correctly from the beginning, understand how to go about finding a job and what's important and getting that right help that you need. So I, I did want to stress that. That really is important. Yeah. Um, in terms of... What we offer, stay tuned. We're always doing surveys. We're keeping our pulse on the marketplace. We like to see what hiring managers are saying and we cover all different topics. So it is a good place to look on our website if you wanna see what the current trends are and where we see it going. Now, in terms of the future of higher education, I do think the demand and the drumbeat is getting louder and louder because between the push towards Many, I mean, how many state and federal governments already waive college uh, degree requirements for jobs? I believe it's really important. If you want to be an accountant, you need to have an accounting degree. If you want to be a teacher, get a teaching degree because those degrees truly prepare you for the job you're looking for. 
outside of that, we have to do a better job because the rest of the world is going to say real world experience is just as good as a liberal arts degree or a history degree if you're looking to you know, run a sales organization. So I think we got to wake up on that side and do a better job preparing people to make college still what it should be. I, the reason isn't just to prepare you for the world, it's for everything else, thinking criti critically, participating in the world. God knows we need a lot of that today, right? And good <laughs> citizens contributing. But we also need to prepare them so that they could take care of themselves and their families and feel fulfilled. So I still think there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm really glad the conversation is out there. Great. Fantastic. Wow. So, um, Lisa, I just want to know, do you have any thoughts on what uh, Stacy just said? I'm just curious. I definitely agree with her. And I think that when we look, because we've talked about multi-generations at this point, I think from a corporate workplace and just double clicking again on DEI and B, I think that people from every generation has something to learn from the other four or five in the workplace. And I think approaching all of this with curiosity will help everybody flourish moving forward, especially coming out of COVID and all the weirdness that that brought to the world there are great things for everybody to learn from everybody. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned curiosity because again, another another trend that I've been hearing on all of our podcasts is that curiosity mindset, um, which is so important for young children all the way on up to keep that uh, mindset because I think you know we're kind of born with that, just my opinion, we're born with being curious, but then we kind of lose it as we move on and we get older. So to keep that, for that lifelong learning process that, you know, it's ideal is key. So I, I love that you said curiosity too. Yeah. This is, yeah I was just, I was just going to add one of the pluses we're hearing about Gen Z is they, you know, they're not sitting with the status quo. They are challenging us. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that comes from the curiosity too. Well, this shouldn't have to always be like this. And that is a plus. So we could count on them to help move that too. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I have a, seven-year-old daughter and I always our mantra is you know always be confident and curious and so boy does she do that she is constantly <laughs> curious and pushing back why do I have to do this explain it to me how does this work so <laughs> I created my own nightmare it's all good though <laughs> I love her okay this has been amazing thank you so much first I want to outro my guest co-host um who's been on so many times and she's wonderful and always appreciate her time Lisa Honaker senior director of account management at High Spot. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Awesome. And then I want to outro um, our guest, your guest today, Stacy Holler, <laughs> Chief Career Advisor at ResumeBuilder.com. Stacy, did you enjoy your EdUp experience today? I truly enjoy. I love talking about this. This is important stuff. I mean, these are things we need to pay attention to. And and I feel I'm just as passionate as you folks about this. So it was a great experience chatting with you today. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, you've just erupted. Experience Element 451's Engage Summit Conference this June and get ready to unleash the power of AI in higher ed marketing deep dive into how this emerging tech will revolutionize the education landscape from personalized student engagement to turbocharging your marketing efforts with AI. These sessions are guaranteed to help you smash your enrollment goal.
professionals. Connect with like-minded professionals, explore cutting-edge edtech products and services, and leave with the knowledge to supercharge your institution's growth. Don't wait. Register now at engage.element451.com and seize your chance to lead the pack in the AI-driven education revolution. Use promo code EDUP50 for $50 off your registration. Now, what can you expect at AT23? That's Anthology Together 2023. Well, expect to look into the future, expand your network, and explore solutions with experts. You're going to hear from industry thought leaders. You're going to connect with countless opportunities and people representing different institutions across the globe. You might even get to test out some new tech and help drive future Anthology technology. That's right, Anthology Together. Registration is open at anthologytogether.com.